So we're going through the scriptures at the moment, we're in the season of Epiphany, so we're looking at stories where Jesus calls uh, his disciples. So Freddie and Jonah are going to bring uh, the reading to us. Mostly Jonah. This is Matthew 4, uh, 12 to 23. Now, when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and made his home in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, on the road by the sea, across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to proclaim, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As he walked by the sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea. For they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I'll make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, He saw two older brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with the father Zebedee, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. Amen. Thank you, Freddie, and Jonah as well. I saw you get to the end of the slide and be like, oh, no, there's two slides, so sorry, I should have warned you, it's a long one. Let's pray. Lord, uh, thank you for the chance to be here together in community. Open our ears and our hearts to your word and to each other. Amen. The other day, I was um, walking along the high street in my collar. Um, I won't say where I was, because it might give away the person who upset me, but I was outside Greg's, um, and uh, this evangelist stopped me, and he said, are you born again? What I should have done is just walk away, say, yeah, bless you, then mutter something rude under my breath. Um, That's what I should have done. But what I did was, because you know what I'm like... I'm slippery, not physically, as in I'm slippery in, you know, argument's sake. I said, well, it depends what you mean, doesn't it? And his eyes lit up with delight. He'd got one. Um, And we had a very long conversation, um, and I obviously wasn't pleasing him. It obviously wasn't going well. I obviously wasn't about to give my life to the Lord again. Um, So he carried on, and he ended it by saying, well, I think what you need to do is come to my church on Sunday. And I said, well, that's a bit of an issue for me because that's the only day us vicars work. Uh, He didn't get the joke, um, so he's probably um, expecting me about now to be at church. Anyway, I'm sure you've met people like that, haven't you, on the street? Um, If it's not someone trying to get you to save dogs in Romania or, I don't know, other things, it's someone trying to stop you to share the truth with you. And I'm cynical, uh, but I just don't know how well it works as a strategy, uh, partly because that man wasn't particularly nice. I didn't think, oh, you know what, I'm going to come to your church, because he was telling me how terrible I was, how awful I was, what a sinner I was. 
Um, and I'm sure you've encountered them, but I just don't know, as a marketing ploy, how well it works, whether it works at all. Didn't work for me, because I'm here. Um, in our reading from Matthew, Jesus says two things. The first thing he says is, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And the second thing he says is, come, follow me. So I wonder then what it means to repent. It's a word that we hear loads. It's a word that we hear at times shouted at us. Repent because you're awful. Turn and burn. Repent. Well, actually what repenting means is to turn around and to live in a different way. To find a new way to live. But that only works if the thing we're being asked to turn towards is any good. Right? Otherwise, it's just an empty threat and we feel awful. But it only works if it's not an angry God, an angry God who can't stand us, an angry God who can't stand who we are, an angry God who can't stand the way we've been made and the things that we love. Why would anyone repent if that's God? Why would anyone bother joining a church if that's who God is? I'm sure you all read the Church Times as good Anglicans, and I'm sure you're committed to it every week coming through your door. I'm sure you keep a keen eye on what the bishops of the Church of England say, because who doesn't, right? They've got so many good things to to, uh, say. But you'll probably know that this week there's been a very toxic debate in the Church of England about equal marriage. And um, actually, what we discover is the Church has been terrible at sharing the good news, terrible at being positive, All we've done is say at times the things that we're against and tell everyone how unworthy they are to be loved by God. But we can only repent, we can only be led towards God if we realise how loved we are, if we realise how cared for we, we, we are. We can only walk the long way home if we know that when we get there, there's a God who deeply loves us, who deeply cares for us and wants us to be there with him. One of my favourite paintings, it's not that one, although that's good, it's uh, by the Dutch artist Rembrandt, and it's of the prodigal son. So of the prodigal son ret- returning home. And you've probably seen this book before. If you, um, if you haven't read the, the story b- uh, before, it's in uh, Luke, and it's beautiful. And he painted this at a time in his life when he had lost everything. He had squandered all of, all of his cash, and he'd been actually a pretty horrible guy, and he'd lost those very, very close to him. And he painted this. And you can just see the tenderness at which the father welcomes the son back. You probably can't see from where you are, but the two hands, that there's a feminine hand and there's a masculine hand. And the tenderness at which the son is being held and being received back into God. We can only repent if the God that we are repenting to, if the God that we're turning to is going to receive us back with love and with grace. The second thing that, that Jesus says is, come, follow me. As he's proclaiming the kingdom, he forms a new community with his new friends, a community which he will share life and ministry with. And they will share highs and lows together, and they will do and see incredible things. Perhaps you've experienced that with faith too. Perhaps you haven't. Perhaps it's all been really low and really hard. But he doesn't call them to a theology or a doctrine or a position or or a set of beliefs that he has to believe first. He simply says, come follow me. He's seemingly really unconcerned with what they believe. Doesn't ask them, well, do you believe in this? He just calls them and says, come follow me. They They are invited to belong 
before they believe. There is no bar for having to believe anything. They just have to come and belong and be on the journey with him. The bar is really low. And I hope it's the same for us. I'm not saying the bar is low because you're awful, but the bar is low because you can belong in this place before you have to believe. You can belong in this community before you believe. The church, we should be inviting people to belong before they believe. You know, Jesus doesn't call the the brightest and the best. I'm sorry if you are that and you think you are. Uh, You've been called anyway, but primarily, that's not who he seems to call. He He doesn't go to Jerusalem. He goes to the side of a river and calls four working class lads that are fishing and he shares life with them. And they don't really understand who he is. In fact, what we discover is it takes them quite a long time to discover who who he is. And even when they do discover who, who he is, they still reject him and deny him. Actually, what repentance really means is that we turn from ourselves into a community. We turn from just thinking about who we are and thinking about who we can all be together, who we're called to be together. And we can bring all of the good stuff and all of the bad stuff, all of our hopes and dreams, and all of the stuff that hasn't quite gone how it hoped, because they're all welcome in this place. I think I've said this before, so please forgive me. I'm getting to the age now where I've only got three or four talks and I just do them all the time. So if you've heard this song, I'm sorry, James knows what that's like, don't you? He's just joking. Uh, and, uh, oops, i get five now. Um, in a minute, we're going to receive communion. Move on. Um, and uh, towards the end of the communion prayer, Sarah will say, we break this bread to share in the body of Christ. And you will say... Although we are many, we are one body because we all share in one bread. When I break the bread, I always leave a gap before I put it together again as a reminder to us that brokenness is accepted here, that brokenness is part of who we are. When God, when God calls us together to be one bread, we're one broken bread. We're one very strange piece of bread that somehow fits, to, fits together with, with kind of gaps. It doesn't quite work, but kind of does. Because we're called as who we are. Because that's how God calls us. He calls us as we are and who we are. Because he wants to be with us. With the brokenness and all. We're not called to a doctrine or a theology, but to a community. Not to a set of beliefs but to each other, a community where we can come as we are. Because all Jesus says is, come, follow me. That's it, come, follow me. Let's pray. Father, help us to turn from ourselves into each other. That to know that you deeply love us and call us to be with each other and to be with you. We thank you for your grace and your love. Amen.